Hey, and welcome back to Season 1, Episode 15 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for your life and mission. I'm Aaron Sandemeyer, and I will be your host. Each episode, I will be having a transparent conversation with someone who cares about you and desires for you to be healthy, resilient, and confident in your life and as you pursue your mission. I know that one of the biggest roadblocks to health, resilience, and confidence is lack of clarity. I believe that the transparent conversations we will be having and the life stories we will be hearing will be invaluable for both you and I. Today we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with uh, Pastor Greg Ford, who pastors one church in Columbus, Ohio. And it is a fabulous interview, um, not because of me, but because of him. And uh, it was... He was somebody I had never met before, had heard of, her, watched his, some of his messages um, on Christian Multiplication Network and, um, and downloaded his podcast. And I'll be honest with you, in my experience, sometimes when I have met somebody, um, I wish I never met them. Um, I call them the whimmies, the wish I never met you. And, um, and so I had never met him personally and honestly didn't know what to, um, to expect, but man, um, my respect for for Greg um, went up exponentially. Um, just sitting down and talking with him, and uh, man, he he's a, he loves God. He has a vision. He has capacity. Capacity. He's transparent. Um, he's humble. And um, like I said, he he's somebody that once I met him, my respect. Um, skyrocketed. And so it was refreshing for me because I have met people that I thought, man, I just, I wish I never met you because I thought a whole lot before more of you before than, than after. And uh, Pastor Greg Ford, um, if I lived in Columbus, Ohio, I think I'd be going to his church. And uh, he just was open, honest, transparent, and uh, valued him and his ability to take complex um, questions and, and put them, put them down into um, short answers that you're able to grasp hold of your remember. And so you're going to want to take notes. We talk about leadership skills and the lessons he's learned as a church planner and then how that has moved into a, a grow, growing, thriving church and um, growing rapidly. Um, Greg's young and uh, the lessons he's learned with a young family and, and finding um, rhythms within a family and uh, casting vision and building teams and knowing what he is good at and how that role has changed from being a church planner to, to now. And um, just my respect for Pastor Greg Ford, um, like I said, skyrocketed um, through this interview and uh, was refreshing. Uh, I walked away from it re-energized, and I think you will also. And so we just want to thank him uh, for his sitting down with us today and spending time um, to grow in this area of leadership skills. Do want to just thank you all for listening. Um, the podcast continues to be listened to around the world. 76 countries um, now are listening in, and uh, that's exciting. Uh, way past the 5,000 5, download that we have talked about. Continue to, to share the podcast and hope that it is providing clarity in life and mission. And uh, just excited next week. This week we'll continue on. We'll have a, a interview, two-part interview with Trace Carter, um, who's part of One Church. And so that's ex- going to be exciting and sitting down to we'll talk with him. And then next week we've got a great lineup also. Um, we'll sit down with um, Dick Foth again, uh, good friend Dick, and, um, and Mark Batterson. And we'll be talking about courage as we sit down and talk about these times where um, we fear seems to be pervading. Uh, Mark has done some some a lot of writing. Most of you have probably read his books, and we're going to sit down and talk about courage and uh, 
uh, just um, casts some vision, and he he speaks God's word and the power of prayer, and a fascinating interview. We'll also be sitting down with Michael Leahy and talking about the. Um, the influx of pornography and um, how that in these crisis times, challenging times, um, how that can, old temptations can begin to creep up. And, and Michael will share his story. Uh, he started, he's now leading Bravehearts Ministries. And, um, but the reality of it is he went through a time where he, he was addicted to pornography, sexual, sexual addict, and lost his family. And um, it was, you know, a tragedy, but God has used that and transformed. And uh, I don't think you want to miss that episode. But also, we got some great interviews coming up, and I'm, I'm excited about them. I love learning from from different people that we sit down with. I think you're going to love um, leading, uh, listening, and from these people that are leading in different capacities, in different areas of her life. And Susie um, Tasker Weaver, we'll be sitting down with her also. That's going to be a, a fascinating interview, and so you you won't want to miss it. And so just want to want to take a minute just to thank our sponsors, agwmafrica.org, from increasingly redeemed and transformed Africa, 50 countries, 257 training centers, 404 missionaries, and 79,106 indigenous churches. Discover what you can do and how you can be engaged at agwmafrica.org and by Appalachian Spring Dermatology, bringing new life to your skin. Learn more about the medical, cosmetic, and skin cancer um, procedures and treatments at Appalachian Spring Dermatology and sign up for Dr. Rosenberger's blog at wvderm.com, wvderm.com and by Central Assembly of God and Pastor Doug Seaman in Cumberland, Maryland. Caring for each person, connecting each story, and celebrating each miracle. And by Dr. Sean Ricker, providing advanced care and friendly service at Cumberland Optical. And by Wes and Peggy Reed, collaborators in life and mission. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings. It's so exciting to be here today with um, Pastor Greg Ford, and I'm um, looking forward to having our conversation with him. And uh, we're going to be specifically talking about leadership skills and um, learning from him, his wisdom and insight and, uh, and direction. And I think he will provide um, uh, clarity for us as we begin to cast vision, work through vision, and the importance of that. Um, Greg, would you mind introducing yourself just a little bit for the audience? Maybe people do not know as much about you, um, but would you just mind sharing a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, first of all, Aaron, thanks for letting me hang and be a part of this, man. I love what you're doing and uh, man, I believe in missions. And, and I know there's so many good men and women out there. Some I've met, some I haven't who are uh, fulfilling the great commission, making their life count. So anything I can do to uh, fan that flame. I'm honored to do it. Um, yeah. So I <clears throat> grew up in a pastor's home. Uh, you know, so I know PKs, pastor kids, you know, have a reputation. They usually are either, uh, uh, either become pastors themselves or convicted felons. You know, <laughs> <one of> the, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, I think I landed somewhere in the middle. I mean, you know, I was, I was, uh, I wouldn't say super dialed in in my faith, but you know, I had parents with just great integrity and, so they put a good taste in my mouth in terms of uh, just authenticity of faith. And, um, but I was going a totally different direction. And long story short, man, God, God got my attention in college and uh, just felt called into ministry. You know, at first, I just wanted to do youth ministry you know, I, because at that time, you know, I'm 39 years old. So if you rewind, uh, you know, 
18 years or so, um, youth ministry was the one place you could be like super creative. You know, yeah. like every pastor I knew wore suit and tie. I just didn't feel like my vibe, you know. So I, I just thought, man, those guys are like guys like my dad. You know, are so spiritual, and I don't really think I am. So you know, but you, you can do youth ministry and wear jeans or whatever, you know. Yeah. So that, that's kind of where I started out, and uh, loved it, man. I had a great experience with that. And worked at two different churches for great pastors. Just learned a lot. And a few years ago, um, about ten years ago, my wife and I felt led to plant the church, so we moved to Columbus, Ohio. Um, just felt led to come here. We actually drove through some different communities. And uh, when we came here, we just both felt this clarity, like just a weird confidence that this is where we we're supposed to go. And so we packed up and moved here. Uh, I worked three jobs. She worked two jobs. We had a baby and, uh, you know, did a year of pre-launch, raised money, built a team, found a location got it off the ground, you know, and, uh, God's hands been on it. You know, the last nine years, we just celebrated ninth birthday and church has grown exponentially. You know, we, we have actually been some really cool stories around just got opening doors with facilities and we have over a hundred thousand square feet of buildings, you know, almost $11 million of buildings that we were able to get below 50% equity because of just heroes in, 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 uh, the faith that have linked arms with us. And so it's just a lot of stuff. I'm like, wow, I can't really, uh, just God things that he's yeah. opened up. And, and so that's kind of, that's the cliff note. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And you're married and how many children do you have? So we have three kids. Yeah. How old are they? Uh, my daughter, Ella is 11. Okay. Uh, my son Hudson is eight and my yeah. son Miles is five. Yeah. And actually both of my boys, both of them are on the, on the autism spectrum. Okay. So, yeah. So that's been a, a, a interesting part of the journey. Um, but yeah, that's our crew. Yeah, good deal. What you know, a lot of times when we we begin the podcast, um, we it, we can learn a lot from people's wins, but also we can learn from people's challenges and lessons learned. And so, as you talked about, you moved to Columbus, you're working those jobs, and you talked about forming and developing a team. What are some of the lessons you learned as you tried to uh, launch or cast that vision and the 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 plan that God had given you in your heart? And and what did you do? What are some lessons you learned in that process? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I, I say a lot, uh, both to myself and our team is that, uh, self leadership is the toughest part of leadership. So hmm. you are the hardest person you will ever lead. Hmm. And we have to continue to remind ourselves of that because, uh, a lot of times we think it's everybody else. You know, man, yeah. if, if our team would just act right, you know, if I get this person to do that, that person to do that, uh, that we have breakthrough, but it, it's really, uh, it's really, it starts with ourselves. And so I think, um, early on I had to kind of fight for self-awareness, you know, mm. to become self-aware without becoming self-absorbed. That's good. So to really be introspective, look and go, what, what am I gifted in? What am I great at? What do I love doing? Mm -hmm. uh, where are my liabilities? Where are my gaps? Where are my instincts great? Where are my instincts not so great? And so I think, you know, you start, you know, we say right here, your strengths give you a role. Mm -hmm. Your weaknesses give you a team. Mm -hmm. you, know, you think about a basketball team, you know, there's a guy who's, you know, five feet, 10, who's really yeah. fast. And he dribbles well. So he gets to be the point guard. Yeah. There's another guy who's six foot nine. And, yeah. you know, he gets to be on the team because he's closer to the rim than anybody else. So <laughs> I think that, so the strengths, because we do some things well, we get to be on the team, but yeah. our weaknesses, maybe we need one. So I don't really know who I need 
until yeah. I know who I am. Hmm. I got to know who I am. That's good. And some of that to me, I think early on was clear. And mm -hmm. then some of it wasn't. I had kind of some trial and error around, you know, I thought I liked doing that. I thought mm -hmm. I was good at that, but I don't think I am so good yeah. at that. Or man, that really sucked the life out of me. Yeah. And then the other thing is we are changing all the time for a couple mm -hmm. of reasons. It's both development and discovery. Mm -hmm. So if we really believe in leadership development and discipling, that means we're going to be changing. Like you're evolving, you're getting better, you're growing, you're becoming stronger in certain areas, which means you're changing. But also some of it is discovery. There's some things that you thought about yourself that I've discovered that's not really, or it's not for me anymore. And of course, as the organization church grows, roles change. Like the yeah. lead pastor of a church plant is not the same as a lead pastor of a multi-site church of, you know, over a couple thousand, you know, it's yeah, a different sure. role. So I think um, while you're evolving, while the role's evolving, while the people around you are evolving, trying to maintain that self-awareness and then position people accordingly and yeah. getting a good read on who they are. How did you find, how do you find that self-confidence? Because the description you gave as a team and to say that recognizing what your skills are and the talents and natural abilities and talents that God has given you, it also takes, it takes confidence for a leader to know who they are and then also to entrust and develop other people. Well, how do you have, how have you walked through that? Because in my experience that, that, that can be a challenge for leaders. Um, to, to have confidence in who God created them to be, but also recognizing, you said, weaknesses. How have you walked through that? Man, that, that's a great question. Um, this is going to sound like such a pastor answer, but <laughs> I mean, you're a you pastor. Know, you really, when, when you really look at our identity in Christ, mm -hmm. it's really four things. I'm loved, anointed, mm -hmm. gifted, and mm -hmm. called. Okay. Right. And you look at those four words. First of all, I'm loved. So you say, where does your confidence come from? Where does your security come from? Well, it comes from the fact that I'm his dearly loved son who brings him great joy and nothing, no one can take that away. Yeah. So whether I succeed or fail on my mission or I get an A or an F, I get promoted or demoted or delayed, whatever. I'm his dearly loved son who brings him great joy. He demonstrated his love toward me and that while I was a sinner, he died. Okay. So love. Second, I'm anointed. I'm, I am filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Hmm. Think the, theologically. Genesis 1-2, Holy Spirit's present at creation. Same spirit was in prophets, priests, and kings throughout the Old Testament. Same spirit caused prophets to prophesy hundreds of years in advance the coming of Jesus. That same spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Same spirit caused the gospel to spread and proliferate through the book of Acts that leads all the way up to us. So if that's the spirit I'm anointed with, that creates a real confidence. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, so for I'm sure. loved as I am, even if I fail. I'm anointed with the power of the Spirit. My my spiritual DNA are the traits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. God. You know, all of this creates my confidence. Now, in that confidence, security that I'm lovely like I am, now I shift over here to gifted and called. Well, I'm gifted at certain things, which means because my, my security comes from being loved and anointed, mm -hmm. I don't covet anyone else's gift. I'm at peace with the fact that I have limitations. I just need to know, okay, God, what, if, what is it for me to do? Like you think, okay, in your family, my family, we all have the same last name, anointed, right. but we all have a unique first name, yeah, it's true. which is like our gifting. 
right? Yeah. So I, there's Greg, Shaylin, yeah. Ella, Hudson, and Miles. We're all Ford. I'm not more Ford than anybody. Right. We're all equally Ford, but we all have a unique first name. So I think when my when my confidence and security comes from things that can't be taken away, now those giftings, I can really come to peace with my weaknesses and take joy in other people's strengths and then understand that our calling is is to the mission of God, which is ultimately people. Hmm. It's not a role. Yeah. I'm called the people. Yeah. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Seek and save that which was lost. So that's where we have to find our confidence. And I think from there, now I become tremendous peace in my identity to now be able to be honest with myself. Oh, dang, you know, I don't think I'm so good at that. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and whether everyone else thinks that what I'm good at is important or not, doesn't really matter. This is how God's made me. Yeah, and my identity good. is in his approval. That's good. I know I sound so preachy, but no, it does not. It does not sound preachy at all. It's good stuff. It's it's that's good stuff. Good stuff. And uh, and I appreciate that. When you when you obviously you're a phenomenal communicator, and that's very evident just in the few minutes of uh, us talking and sharing, because you can take a complex uh, question and you can filter it down into a very tangible, um, applicable answer. And so when you're communicating and and you were developing your team and you're continue developing teams, how do you prefer to communicate? Do you, is there, do you prefer uh, social media? Do you prefer text? Do you prefer face-to-face or does it depend on the situation? Um, as you cast your vision and you, as you're following God's lead um, and plan for, for the church and for your mission? Yeah. Uh, good question. I mean, I, I think it, uh, it depends on what's being communicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of it also depends on like things change as things develop. So uh, if, if I'm communicating content, like kind of just general truth content or revelation, mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's lots of ways you can put that out that people can get it, whether it's through the, through social media or, um, you know, email or, you know, things that you're just putting out there. I think when it comes to, communication, whether it's like hard conversations or things that I want people to remember or problem solving. Um, I know in terms of like our internal communications, like within mm-hmm. our church, and I'm not exactly sure if this is what you're asking. Yes, but like, it's good. Uh, yeah. We, we've had to, as our staff has grown uh, into large numbers, like you can't just send a text message. Hey, uh, don't forget this. Or, <laughs> or, Hey, can you get me one of these by Thursday? You know, that right. just doesn't work like that because that's right stuff gets lost so we've you know we use um uh asana mm-hmm. which is uh it's you know there's things like base camp or slack yeah. or right you know but we use asana which um and we've actually had to be very clear about what do you send via email what do you send via asana what do you send via text message that's good so that's a text good. message is a personal this is not something i'm expecting you to remember this is not an ass- i'm not assigning anything to you i'm just texting you like you know aaron man I'm praying for you this morning, man. I love you. God bless you. Um, or, you know, something like that. Right. Email, um, again, isn't something that's like workflow related. Mm-hmm. Asana is everything that's workflow related. Otherwise, you know, with now all the channels of communication, it's just inevitable. That's good. That you're going to fumble balls if you, if it's kind of a the wild, wild west on communication. So no, that's yeah, good. And crack down on it. 
And that's very applicable. And um, I appreciate that as far as delineating that, because I think at times the personal in ministry and in missions, a lot of times it's hard because we get confounded with the communication means that we're using and it can all get mixed up together and then expectations are not met and then problems um, can develop. So you're. You know, I, I you're a very creative person. You talked about, you know, you wanted to be involved in, in youth ministry because of the creativity. Is this church, is your church is growing and it's growing rapidly and developing? How creativity takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. How do you prioritize creativity and sharing God's word and his message and not just fall back on the things that worked in the past um, because you've a lot of things have worked already for you. So how, how do you stay fresh in your creative spirit? Great question. So I read a book a few years ago called the E-Myth and then they rewrote it's like the E-Myth revisited. I don't know if you've heard about it, but the book is E stands for entrepreneurial myth. Mm-hmm. And the entrepreneurial myth basically is people get into they start a business or they do something because they love to do something. So for example, Aaron has a family pie recipe and they make this pie that, you know, secret recipe and everyone that eats it has a spiritual experience with this pie. They're like, Oh my gosh, this is the best pie I've ever tasted. Like there's nothing else like it. And and then what do they say next? Dude, you need to start a pie business. You need to start a bakery. Like the whole world needs to taste this. Of course you see everyone light up every time they eat it. You're like, you know, Africa, Asia, Europe, Antarctica, everybody needs this pie, right? Okay, so you start a pie business because you love people's response to the pie, but dang, now I have a business, you know? And so now I have like a (laughs) P&L sheet and I got an HR deal and and now we got to figure out how to scale and and manufacture. You know, I'm just like, oh my gosh, now I'm a businessman. I just want to make pies. So the entrepreneurial myth is that. So they say in every organization you got three roles covered one you got to have the entrepreneur who's the visionary who's the one that's going comes up with a vision of every kid in the world's going to taste this pie mm-hmm. and here's how we're going to do it so the business development the second is the artist mm-hmm. the artist is the one that makes sure that the pie tastes different than every other pie it just cares about the details cares about the excellence of the product i don't care if we sell a million of them i care that every time somebody bites into one they've never tasted anything like that yeah. The third is the manager. The manager turns the crank. The manager makes sure every I's dotted, every T's crossed, nothing slips through the cracks. Well, when you start a church or you start a business, you're all of that. Mm. You're the visionary, you're the artist, and you're the manager. Yeah. As it grows over time, if we're going to be able to scale and keep everything going, accomplish the vision, have the product be second to none, and make sure everything is in order, you've got to divvy that responsibility up because right. most likely you're not all three. Yeah. You've had to function as all three, but you're not all three. So what I had to do in our journey, because when it started out, I was all three, I had to really do some hard thinking around and soul searching and prayer around what is my, where do I need to really throw my weight? Mm-hmm. Where am I best? Where am I, where is my energy best used? What do I do? That's rare, you know? And so I had to come to, I think for me personally, my greatest passion is in the artistry of what we do. Okay. I'm, I'm way more passionate that when you come to our church, you experience the presence of God that you see, we tilt the prism 
on the scripture in a way that you walk away like, I'm never going to forget that. That was life changing for me. Then, oh, we had 10,000 people. Yeah. Or we've got 10 campuses in 10 years. I, like, I, I walk out of sometimes visionary meetings. I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's not like, oh, yeah. But man, when I, when I walk away from the scripture, when the revelation has just popped off the page, Aaron, I want to derail every single meeting into that. Every mm. meeting I walk into, I've got, hey, before we start this meeting, I got to tell you, I was just in Romans 1 and blah, blah, blah. Okay. And so when I, it feels like fire shut up in my bones. Well, what does that mean? That means that if I'm going to do that and I'm really going to own that part of it, I've got to delegate, which means I have to take my hands off of, I have to be a little less opinionated about, I got to be willing for others to make mistakes or take it in the entrepreneurial and management space. Because if, if you try to micromanage all three of those, you're going to underachieve in the one that you're really best suited for. Yeah, that's good. And that's easier said than done because especially in my secondary strength, which would be the entrepreneurial side, I have tons of opinions. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so, so to go, I pick my, I got to really pick my battle. So over time I've learned, I'm learning more and more. I've not learned, I'm not arrived. Right. But I'm learning more and more what things to interject myself on in that space. I work really hard to get the right people mm -hmm. there who I trust that even if we're not, I don't fully agree. Yeah. I'm cool to live with, even if it's a mistake so that I can, cause every hour that I put into that conversation, I'm not able to put in over here That's good. to make the message, the content, the experience, the best it can be. Yeah, it's good. That's good. And um, and so what have you learned? How do, do you have a filter? Because you said you have those opinions. And I think for leaders, that's it's tough um, because, you know, we do have our opinions. Is there a filter you run through and you decide, hey, that's just it's not worth it to go down that or that's you see the, the time or is there a grid or something you run through or is it just it depend on the day? Yeah, so it's a little of both. So so. I'll give you an example. So um, our executive pastor, his name's Anthony. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're super tight. We're really closely together. And, and Anthony um, is, is really strong in management, um, just really strong. And so he and I meet every week uh, for an hour and he'll, he brings the agenda. Here are the things that I want to talk about. And for a long time, when he would bring those things, he'd bring up a situation that might be a personnel situation or a problem they're trying to solve. And when he would ask the question, I would immediately jump into giving my advice, consulting. Mm -hmm. Hey, I would do this. I would do that. Hey, I think I'd do this. And what I realized is I needed to ask a question before I started talking. And the question is, um, how confident are you? Like, do you have a plan? And how confident are you in that plan? Are you asking for my advice or my permission? Mm, that's good. That's good. Because... Yeah, because he might be like 90% on a decision yeah, or 100%. And all he needs me to do is go, I'm cool with it. Yeah, I got your back. Go with it. But what I would do is once he would bring it up, then I would just go into all my diatribe around my experience and what I think and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. When really all he was looking for was for me to say, I'm okay with you doing that. Right. So now what I'll do is I'll ask him, are you looking for my advice or my permission? And then I'll ask, how confident are you in this decision? Mm -hmm. So literally two days ago, we were meeting and, and he's like, 
uh, dude, I'm like totally 50, 50 on this. Like I, yeah. I just need, I need your advice. Okay. So now he's asking now, now what I'm giving him is support. Not, mm. I'm not micromanaging him. It's right. not like he's already got a strong opinion. And now right. I came in and overpowered him. He's going, I really am. I need unstuck. Yeah. So, you know, what is your opinion? So trying to calibrate with the person to find out what they need. Um, so the, those are the questions. Do you want my, you want my advice or my opinion and, or my advice or my permission? Yeah, that's good. And how confident are you in this? That's good. And so how does Anthony, how has Anthony built trust in you? Cause I think that's a question for people that are following the leader and you're creative. Um, you've said that's one of your giftings and talents. How can somebody who's following a leader, how can they build that level of trust that obviously you've expressed that you have an Anthony because you have that level of trust with him. How can somebody who's following a leader, how do they, how do you see it's best to develop trust and how has Anthony done that with you? Yeah. So there, there was a, a book I read a while ago uh, and it's, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it was a Patrick Lencioni book and in the book he was talking about like hiring and how do you know you're hiring the right people? So they said they hire for three things, humble, hungry, and smart. Mm. They're humble. Like, just humble people are right. great to be around. You know, yeah. they're, they, they take correction. They're, they're collaborative. Um, they, they're receptive. You know, it's just a great environment, hungry, passionate. I, you know, I can't show up every day with a cattle prod, try to get somebody excited about what we're doing. Like you're either, you're either self-motivated mission motivated or, or not. Yeah. And then the third is smart. And when he said smart, it's not just, you know, can do advanced math. It's, it's also like, are you people smart? Do yeah. are you? What's your EQ? Also, do you fail forward? Like hmm. it's cool you make a mistake, but do you keep making the same mistake, or are you confused all the time? Do you take simplicity and turn it into complexity, or do you take complexity and turn it into simplicity? So, yeah. with Anthony, how he's earned my trust over the years is I've seen his character, mm-hmm. and the dude is truly a servant-hearted person. Second, he's a hard worker. And I'll just okay. say for me personally, I can't work with people who don't give effort. Yeah. I just can't. It, yeah. it, it honestly, it, part of it's the family I grew up in. Yeah. My dad, if my dad wanted to insult a person, yeah. he would say, Joe's lazy. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't dude. I, I can handle mistakes. I just can't handle low effort. That, yeah. That's just, I, I have echo, no trust. I echo that. Yeah. So yeah. like if I, it's just hard for me to let go of somebody who's busting it, dude. Yeah, going all out. But if you're not, it is unbelievably easy for me to let you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy. Yeah, like it's just like I can't yeah. even relate. Yeah. So Anthony is a hard worker, dude. Yeah. Hard worker, and then and then he's smart. He yeah. he connects dots. Yeah, he connects dots really quickly. He fails forward. He makes mistakes. He doesn't make tons of repeat mistakes. So with that. He just feels like he's just a great investment. Even if he walked away from our church today, I wouldn't regret one minute I've spent with him because he absorbs lessons. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's adaptable. Yeah. And I would say one of the things I tell young, young leaders, develop the skill of connecting dots. Hmm. Real quick Bible connection for you. All right. You remember Philip in the New Testament, mm-hmm. the disciple Philip? He shows up two places. First one is when... Jesus is going to feed the 5,000. And he says, Philip, where are we going to buy food for these people? Yeah. And it says parent, parenthetically, he was only testing Philip. He already knew what he was going to do. But Philip 
just goes totally wrong answer. Oh, we can't do this. It would cost too much money. It'd be six months wages. Right. And Jesus didn't even ask him how much it cost. Right. He asked, where would we buy food? Why are you telling me how much? I didn't ask you how much it cost. I asked, okay, so he just immediately had a can't do attitude and couldn't connect the dots. The second place Philip shows up is when Jesus is says, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he's like, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Yeah. And Jesus gets kind of loud. He actually, it's exclamation point in the text. He goes, Philip, have you been with me this whole time and you still don't know who I am? Yeah. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah. And he's frustrated, it says yeah. in the text. He was frustrated. Why? Because Philip, you can't, why are you not able to connect the dots? Hmm. Why do I have to tell you everything? Why do I have to explain everything? Peter, on the other hand, who we know made tons of mistakes. Right. Think about Peter. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? They're all like, oh, some think you're John, you know, you're this guy. Some think right. you're that guy. Who do you say to them? Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Yeah. And Jesus says, good job, Peter. Yeah. You connected the dot. Yeah. He said, you connected the dot. He said, man didn't reveal that to you. God revealed that to you. You were able to connect the dots on your own. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. Of course, you talk about the gospel. Peter right. wasn't a rock, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that's for sure. So, so what I'm saying is, Philip, we don't hear much about him because he couldn't connect the dots. To be honest, I sort of feel like he got. Yeah, moved on. Maybe didn't get as many opportunities <laughs> as some others that could connect dots. That's true. That's true. And then the ones that did connect dots got different opportunities. So one of the things about Anthony that's caused him to earn trust for me is he, I don't have to go tell him everything to do. Yeah. He connects lots of dots on his own. And that's part of, you know, that some people have a knack for it, but yeah. I think everyone can get better in it. If you keep your head up and you're looking around, the yeah. person's got their head down, they're missing things. I, yeah. Hard to give them a lot of responsibility. Otherwise, you got to hold their hand all the time. For sure, for sure. Greg, what do you see as is far being a pastor and, and discipling and mentoring is is obviously a passion of yours. Um, what are you what are what are you seeing as you mentor and coach and disciple the different generations? Are there things that are giving you hope? Are there challenges, um, advice, and wisdom from your experience that would help our, our listeners as they seek to disciple and mentor generations outside of the road? So, what I'm what I'm really learning about discipleship is it's really an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Like we tend to think of it as a system or mm -hmm. an assembly line you know, do this, do that, do that, and this kind of linear path. And when you really, when I really look at discipleship the way Jesus did it, and when I look at what it looks like in the real world, it feels a lot more like an ecosystem. It looks like, okay, this is something God's created. You, you know, the seed of the gospel lands in the soil, something starts to come out of that soil and it needs sun and it needs water and it needs the weeds off of it and it needs pruned sometimes eventually slowly it bears fruit that fruit reproduce okay so looking really in that that farmer gardener type of like okay what what's needed right now mm -hmm. and is and i think we we sometimes hope for or try to create discipleship systems that we can set up and let go mm -hmm. but i think it always needs like 10 you know constant tending so unless i think the infrastructure set up to be able to have it 
in tight enough and small enough that I can look around at the people that I'm discipling going, what do they need right now? Do they need, you know, do they need challenged? Mm -hmm. Do they need educated in an area? Is it their understanding? They need more information. Is it that you need comforted right now? Is it they need a break right now? Is they need reassured or encouraged right now? Um, because I think there are elements to the ecosystem, but I, it's not like a formula like A, yeah. B, C, D, E, you know? And so I, so I think to do it well, you know, it's a little bit like parenting, you know, like I said earlier, I've got two boys that are on the spectrum and I've got my daughter's like a genius. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't parent them the same way. I'm always looking at them going, what do they need? You know, what, what do they need right now? Yeah. What environments do they need to be in? What conversations do we need to have? So seeing it, as that ecosystem, I, I always use four things to the ecosystem. It's invitation, which mm -hmm. put down your net, follow me, mm -hmm. you know, so in my disciples, second is information, sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said this, but I said this, you've heard it said this, but I said this blessed are the blessed. So learning and unlearning information, um, imitation. So journeying alongside somebody, you know, I, I could learn content from you, but if I've followed you around for six months, I'd get a whole new level of, what does it look like to be a husband and a, and yeah. a man and a father and a leader and it, having life on life proximity? And the last is innovation, which is steps of faith for that person, hmm. pushing them out of their comfort zone. Okay, it's your time now, man. Yeah. You know, Jesus in Matthew 10, I'm sending you out a sheep among wolves. Hmm. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to raise the dead. You're going to whatever. They're going to put you up in the town square. You're not going to know what to say. The spirit's going to fill your mouth. So it's like, until I go, okay, stop watching me. Now I'm going to watch you. Yeah. What are you doing? So I think depending on the person, where are they at? They may need more understanding before they get sent out. So yeah, that's good. That's good. So it's not, you don't necessarily look at that ecosystem is generational. You're looking at more individual person and one of those four things, what they need. Is that, is that, is that correct? What I'm hearing you say? That's how, that, that's how I look at no, it. It's I, mean, good. I, I just think, you know, you try to create, standardized system as much as you can because it's easier to reproduce but at the end of the day discipleship yeah. is so custom oh, it really is yeah and i've i grew up in the church too and i've i've seen the systems and seen those things but it it there's a system but it doesn't always produce exactly what you thought it was going to produce so right. anyway you said you're 39 years old you have young kids um at home at this season of life what is a young is I don't, I'm, you're a younger leader. Um, so what's most important to you? Because you have a lot, I would imagine you have a lot pulling on you. Um, you're leading an organization that's growing rapidly and you're involved in ministry. You have people that have needs all around you. And you also have mentioned you have um, two boys that um, have unique challenges and uh, you have a wife. How do you balance all that? And in this season of life, what what's most important to you? Yeah. Great question. A um, couple things. One is learning how to say no. Mm -hmm. so, so I think most uh, most people I know that go into ministry go in with this big heart and the same thing that leads you into ministry, leads you to plant a church or leads you to go on the mission field is the same thing that makes you vulnerable, mm -hmm. which is getting your heart hurt or hurting someone like Dude, the first time I had to fire somebody, I was like, I was out for like a month. You know, I was like, dude, I feel like such a jerk. 
you know, I was ready to go to counseling because I was like, I, I only want to just help people, you know, and now, mm -hmm. now I just had to hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. So with that, we become eager to say yes, 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 yes. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as things grow, you just have to get comfortable saying no. Okay. And it can be very hard to say if someone comes, hey, can I meet with you? Sorry, no, I can't right now. You, you got to figure out how to say no. Either you say it or someone says it for you mm -hmm. or you create a process to tell people no or whatever that is. But if you just keep saying yes, it it's going to just totally jack you yeah. personally. It's going to mess with your family. It will cost you. And it's just a really, really bad trade. Um, so I think learning how to say no. The second thing is I I always fight for simplicity. So I think it gets me in trouble sometimes, but my brain always thinks simply. I, I think of things in like three or four steps, mm -hmm. which has gotten me in trouble because we go to do a building project. You know, I'm like, oh no, we just got to do that, put one there and do this and that. And they're like, <laughs> There's 400 steps, you know, I'm like, yeah. no, it's just four. You know, yeah. we just got to do this. <laughs> so it, it helps when you're communicating the Bible and you're taking, you know, a very complex thing, right. and boiling it down into simplicity. But in my personal life, in my leadership, I'm fighting for simplicity, which mm. means you got to be selective. I can't do it all. What am I going to do? And then how do I, when my life starts to feel chaotic, I got too many things going. It's just not a high quality of life for me because I, my brain doesn't thrive in, in complexity. It does mm -hmm. in simplicity. When I feel like I'm very clear, then I can just aim myself and get going downhill. Yeah. So, you know, that, that means you got to, you got to be selective yeah. with people, mm -hmm. with projects, with what you say yes to, how you manage your time. And then the second big one is I've learned a lot in the last few years on energy management, which hmm. is a totally different ballgame. I, I can count my money. I can budget my time. But how do you know energy? Like, man, I'm losing energy. That's good. I'm becoming irritable. I'm becoming tempted. I'm getting really discouraged. I'm starting to slide to some depression. I'm losing motivation. I'm having, I'm fantasizing about quitting. All these things start to become, it's like your gas gauge is going, your energy is down. You're not yeah. managing it well. So in order to manage your energy, because we all think, especially when we're young, oh yeah, yeah I, I can take on one more. Yeah. I, I can cram for that test. I can pull an all-nighter. Sure, I'll take that appointment. I don't need to sleep. And you get a little, you know, you start to hit these rev limiters and then you got to start looking at what is sucking my energy out. I have to either eliminate it or minimize it. And then what am I doing? Things putting energy back in me. So energy management, especially with a young family, especially with special challenges, a lot of things going, if you don't get good at it, you, you pay the price. Yeah, for sure. One last question. What what are you excited about? As you look at the, you know, we live in a chaotic world and we're in the middle of coronavirus and there's all a ton of bad news and, you know, everybody wants to give you the bad news. What are you excited about? Whether that's in your family, whether that's your ministry, what, what you talked about putting gas in your tank, what puts gas in your tank in Greg Ford's life? Man, I could talk about a ton of stuff, dude. There's really a lot of things I'm excited about. I'll give you one that's I guess probably relevant to who's listening because they don't probably care that much about my family, <laughs> but that's fine. <laughs> but like, I, I think, I think right now with social media content being such a big deal, I think we are teed up as leaders and pastors 
especially as like preachers mm-hmm. to make a huge impact. So, yeah. it's, I mean, we can all look at social media and go, oh, man, you know, if I see one more selfie, yeah. I'm going to just, you know, whatever. And, and I, I know, dude, it can become a time waster. It can become, it can lean into narcissism. It can do all that weird stuff. But I'm telling you right now, multi-million, multi-billion dollar companies are sitting around right now trying to figure out how to attach their product to some relevant content yeah. to get people's attention. And I'm like, man, we got pastors that have, 10, 20, 30, 40 years of sermon illustrations. Yeah. We do content. That's yeah. what we do. Yeah. And what is the gospel, but the good news. Yeah. And you don't have to come right out the gate with, you know, Jesus died on the cross for sin, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. You can kind of pull some in with like really helpful content. That's right. That then leads them into a presentation of the gospel, you That's know? Good. And That's so good. like, I just think, we should totally play offense yeah. with the information age. I think yeah. the information age is set up for the proliferation of the gospel, for good content to be put out there. And I'm pumped personally to seize that opportunity like never before. I mean, when you think of the scripture, when Jesus says, you're going to do greater things than I've done because I'm going to be with the father. That's a confounding verse because you're like, what? How, how, like, how am yeah. I going to walk on water? How am I going to turn water into wine? Yeah. You can't go toe to toe with Jesus on a quality competition. Like it's right. just no way. No. What was Jesus talking about was quantity. Mm-hmm. He was in the same general few miles. Right. He didn't travel out of the, I mean, and now we can be a million places at one time. Yeah. Put something out. You're going to put this podcast out, bro. I'm telling it's going to end up somewhere you never knew about. Somebody's yeah. going to listen to it. So that whole idea of being able to ignite a movement and scatter seed that we don't even ever fully see this side of heaven, but yeah. to know that it's going yeah. and it's accessible yeah. to make a global impact, that is really exciting. to me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Greg, will you pray for us? Will you pray for the audience and pray that God will use this podcast and um, use what you've shared um, to speak to people um, and pray for them where they're at today? Lord, I just thank you for... Uh, Lord, for Aaron, for his podcast, for the listeners, Lord. And uh, God, we just thank you for this incredible mystery of our partnership with you and your mission. And we are finite beings. We are limited. Uh, We are uh, fragile. We make a lot of mistakes. We know how imperfect we are. And yet in all of that fragility, you invite us into the divine, the eternal. And it's just a mysterious thing, but we we believe it and we accept it. And Lord, we stand on the promise that you will build your church and you're building it in Madagascar and Africa. You're building it every continent, every place you're moving. And so Lord, we stand on that, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Lord, we pray that you would continue to move by your spirit, give creative ideas, give access, uh, Lord, give divine appointments as we seek to be faithful with, with our leg of this journey. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.